0: evening. It's good to be with you again this evening. As I mentioned, and as you've noticed, I I announced that I would be speaking to the youth. Um, I like youth because I am one. And as I... I see some of you grinning. (laughs) I am. As I was... Uh, meditating on what I'm uh, planning to share tonight. The more I got into it, the more I realized it isn't just youth that look at this. If you want a title for the message, it would be Youth at the Crossroads of Life. Um, That's a title that the youth can write down. The rest of you can write down Discerning God's Will. And Young people, if this is not something that you have questioned, it's something you will question, but it's not just something that young people question. As I'm on the older edge of being a youth, it's still something that I I look for answers. I think we all look for answers in finding God's will and discerning God's will. But young people, did you ever ask questions like this? What does God want me to do for a job? What church should I attend? Should I go into voluntary service somewhere on the mission field? And if so, where? Who should I date? These are questions we face. But I don't believe that discerning God's will is as mysterious as we make it out to be sometimes. I also don't think that you should expect to find or have earth-shattering revelations in looking for God's will. That probably won't happen. It would be nice, but many times God chooses to speak through a still, small voice. Isaiah 30, verse 21 says, And then, ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way walk in it when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. Just a quiet peace or a quiet knowingness that this is the path I'm supposed to be taking. I have roughly 230 miles from my house to this church. And along that route, there are hundreds, maybe thousands, of roads I could take Some are attractive. Some are nice, paved, wide roads. Some are little, narrow gravel roads. But I chose the roads I did because I knew what my destination was. Just as the roads I chose got me here, the choices and decisions you make in life will help you reach your destination. So first of all, you need to know what that destination is. What is what are you wanting in life? Today many of you are at a crossroads in life. The choices and decisions you make in the next five to ten years will have a huge bearing on where you will be and where your children will be in the next fifty years, whether it be spiritually or materially. The choices you make in the next five to ten years will have a huge impact on that, on where you will be. This does not mean that you need to have your life planned out to the letter. I would not recommend that. I wouldn't recommend you try. But you do need to know what values or what you will be basing. You need to know your destination, what values you will be basing your choices off of. If you have a family, what do you want that to look like? If you're going to have a business, what do you want that to look like? You need to recognize your destination is heaven and a life pleasing to God. There are many people your age and at your stage of life that make their choices in life assuming their destination. And there's a big difference between assuming it and knowing it. Go back to my illustration of traveling here. If I would have chosen whatever road assuming it would get me here it may get me here eventually but it wouldn't get me it wouldn't necessarily get me to my destination assuming that a road will get you there you can't make a choice in life assuming it'll turn out okay let's think through the bible a little bit and look at a few people in the bible and how god led them Old Testament, we read of Moses, he discerned God's will through a voice from a burning bush. The Israelites, the children of Israel, were led by a pillar of fire and a cloud. In Acts 8, an angel came to Philip and told him where to go. And we look at those examples, and wouldn't it be nice if, if God would come to you through a burning bush or an angel pretty hard to argue with that but the reality is look at a lot of the people in the Bible didn't have dramatic uh, it wasn't a dramatic way of telling them what to do there were people they were just doing what they were supposed to do look at David when he was anointed king when he found God's will in that what was he doing? he was doing what he was supposed to be doing he was tending his father's sheep Elisha was plowing a field. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. James and John were mending their nets when Jesus called them. God's leading does not usually come by an unusual means. So we ask how does God lead today? How does He show us His will? I believe today there are four main ways that God leads us. He is not limited to these, but there are four main ways that God leads us, and that is through His Word, through His Holy Spirit in our conscience, through godly counsel, and then there's circumstantial leading. I believe those are the four main ways, but hear me, that is not God is not limited to those. But His Word, the Holy Spirit, godly counsel and circumstantial leading looking at his word god will never contradict himself if you feel god speaking to you in his word you feel the spirit or maybe your conscience and you receive godly counsel and they don't all they don't agree what do you do with that well you need to discern what is of god and what isn't they can't all be of god because god will not contradict himself we know His word is true. His word will not lead you wrong. We know that. We can misinterpret the Holy Spirit's leading by our emotions or things around us. And circumstances don't necessarily mean that God is leading. His word never changes. The Bible lays out for us, it won't give you a specific will. It will not say, yes, you need to go into voluntary service next month with Cam in Haiti. You need to do that. It will not tell you that. But it lays out God's will in a general way. It tells us his will for our lives is our salvation and our sanctification. We know that. It says we are to live holy lives. We're to live soberly and watchfully. That's his general will. And we can bounce the specific questions we have off of that general will. The Holy Spirit leads in a quiet knowing. We just it's that quiet voice. It's that time when you can't get it out of your head and your heart beats faster and harder because of conviction maybe. The the difficulty with finding the leading from the Holy Spirit is our emotions and our own desires often get in the way and it's we misinterpret these things. Thirdly is godly counsel and the key word there is godly. The counsel we receive needs to be in tune with God's word and we can't just go to the people for advice who are going to tell us what we want to hear. The fastest way down the road to deception is to surround yourself with people who tell you what you want to hear. If you don't remember anything else about godly counsel, remember that. The fastest way down the road to deception is to surround yourself with people who tell you what you want to hear. And the last way is through circumstances. And this one... I debated whether or not to add this because circumstantial leading is often more of a confirmation of God's will. We hear of open and closed doors in finding God's will. A do- God opened a door, and that was. That's more, that's what the circumstantial leading is. Five years ago, my wife and I were looking at. We lived right in town, right in the little town of Hayward, and we were looking to move out of town, and there was a little house we had our eye on for a while, and we prayed about it, if, we should, if this was something we should do or not, and we decided, we felt it was. So we set a price in mind, and it was a very low price, and we went to the seller. And asked if they would want to sell it, and uh, this was our price, and it it was within within that range. So we looked at that as a circumstantial leading of God. It was an open door. It wasn't that His Word told us this is what my will is. Go move to this house out of town. But we would see this as we felt that this was circumstantial leading. So it was more of a confirmation that it was God's will. But finding his will in our choices is it's huge whether it's youth or whether you're not youth. What is God's will? What would he have us to do? Should we buy or not buy? Should we sell or not sell? Should we start or quit? Say yes or say no? Should we come or go? Should we do something or not do it. And we all, got, we all want God involved in our choices. We want his blessing on what we do. And you all made decisions today. You decided what to eat. You decided what to wear. You decided whether or not to come tonight. But I doubt any of you agonized over those choices. The choices we find difficult are the ones that will probably have long-lasting implications or ones that will affect our life in a dramatic way. But on the other hand, I say carefully that I don't believe that God has a specific decision in mind for every choice you make. And I say that carefully because there are those that disagree with me on that. I don't believe that God has a specific thing in mind for every choice you need to make. Things like profession, or what car should I buy. I believe for many of those things, he leaves it up to our own personal bent, being guided by the knowledge of the character of God. The last part of that sentence is what's important. He leaves it up to our own personal bent or the way we desire, being led by our knowledge of his character and of his person. A shepherd will lead a sheep to pasture, but he won't point out specifically which tuft of grass to chew. If God gave you a wristwatch and you were wearing it, and you wondered what time it is, where would God get more glory? If you ask him what time it is or if you look at the watch He's given you? A.W. Tozer says this, the choices that we make from day to day involve four kinds of things. those concerning which God has an emphatic no, those about which He has said an equally emphatic yes, those concerning which He wants us to consult our own sanctified preferences, and those few matters which require special guidance from the Lord to prevent us from making serious mistakes. Turn with me to Proverbs 16, verse 3. There are times, and times when we need to make decisions, when there is a lot at stake. We need to choose between two possible courses, and there is no specific biblical direction, so we take it to the Lord. Proverbs 16, verse 3. It says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. The Amplified Version puts it this way. It says, Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. That's the key. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable with his will. He's not going to shape his will around your desires. But if you're open to him, he can touch your life and he can move your thoughts, he can guide your thoughts to become agreeable with his will. Can you think of a more sure place to be than that? There's a few things we need to understand about God's will. I would like to call my son Aaron up here if he could come up here. we need to know God in order to recognize his voice. I'm going to ask him some questions. We didn't really rehearse this so I hope this this works. I like ice cream. But of all the flavors of ice cream, which one do I like the best? Chocolate. Okay, you got that one? I am not really a hunter. I, I go sometimes, but I'm, to me, the waiting and the cold is not worth the excitement of shooting a deer. I'm not a real hunter. But I did go hunting a few years ago for something other than deer, and I really enjoyed it. What was that? I went goose hunting. Okay, I went goose hunting. I enjoyed that. Um, of all of the stores in Hayward all of the stores which one would I enjoy going into the most? l L and Fleet Supply how many of you would have known that about me any of those things? you don't count (laughs) how did he know that? how did Aaron know that about me? it's because he knows me He knows my likes and my dislikes. He knows my character better than most of you, probably any of you. We need to know God to understand and recognize his voice. We need to know God's likes, his dislikes. We need to know where he would go and where he would not go. These things many times are not specifically spelled out in his word. But if we know his character, a few years ago, I was studying for a sermon and I was looking out. It was a rainy day. I looked out the window and my three boys were... It was probably this time of year. I remember they shouldn't have been doing what they were doing. They were running through puddles. They were soaked. And I remember thinking, why would they do that? Why wouldn't they ask first? And I thought, well, that's kind of dumb. Why would they ask? They know what my answer is going to be. They know. They know what I'm going to say. So sometimes we don't need to pray and ask God's will, what would you have me to do here? We know. We know what his will is. We know what he wants us to do. We recognize his voice and we understand his character. If we want to know, this is the second point, if we want to know God's will, we need to have our own will totally out of the way. Our own will must—we must be willing to lay our own will down first. There was once a young man who was struggling to know God's will. He prayed and he prayed. What? How, he couldn't get his own will out of the way. He knew that was the problem. He couldn't get his own will out of the way. He went into his bedroom and he—he he cut out big letters. Some, well, someone told him, "You just need to let God have control. Let Him have control," which is a nice thing to say, but it's hard to do. Just just let God let God have control. So he went and he cut out big letters and he he taped them up on the wall by his bedroom door and he prayed. He prayed hard and earnestly that he could and he finally just left, slammed the door, he could not When he went back, let God is what he had put up there. When he went back into his bedroom, the D on God had fallen to the ground, leaving the words let God. Go, taped to his wall. That was what he needed, to let go of my own will, knowing that God has my best in mind. Many times, when we feel God asking us or God calling us, probably through his Holy Spirit, Calling us to do something, we would never say, Well, God would never call me to do that. He would never, He would never ask me to go there. That's not who I am. Well, it may not be who you are, but is it who He wants you to become? For every for every excuse we come up with, there is an unsurrendered part of your life that you are not willing to let Him have control of. For every excuse we come up with there's something unsurrendered in your life. Part of being surrendered to his will, or getting our will out of the way, is being willing to remove the dead weight that we're carrying. Hebrews 12:1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. When we think of laying aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, it's easy to list off things, different sins. We can list them that we stay away from that we will not do. But what gets trickier is there are things in your life that may not be wrong in themselves, but it's still sin. Now let me explain that. John Wesley came to his mother, Susanna Wesley, asking for a definition of sin. And she could have, he knew what it was. She could have said it's missing the mark or it's disobeying God, but her response is the best definition I have ever heard of. She said, sin is whatever weakens your reasoning, whatever impairs the tenderness of your conscience, Whatever obscures your sense of God and whatever takes away your desire for spiritual things, no matter how good it is in itself, that to you is sin. Can you put it any better than that? Whatever weakens your reasoning, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God or takes away your desire for spiritual things, no matter how good it is in itself, that to you is sin. The New Testament talks about being entangled in sin. And these are the little things that are so hard to break free from. It's not a simple matter of setting it aside. It's things like our own plans that we're just so distracted by things in our lives, our plans and our desires and the the things. Maybe we've started going down a path that is not just easy to back up from. Our own will needs to be surrendered. There was a young man who went into a church and started praying earnestly to God. He wanted to do God's will. He wrote a list of all the things he would do for God. It was a long list, a good list of good things he wanted to do for God. And he said, God, I want to do these things for you. I'm, I, Here I am. This is what I wanted. And there were good things on this list. And God touched his heart and said, that is not how you find my will. What I want is a blank sheet of paper with your name signed on the bottom. That is what my will is. I will fill in the blanks. And that that hit him. He said he did not have his will out of the way. He didn't have his own will surrendered. He knew what he wanted to do, and they were maybe comfortable things that he knew how to do, and he was good at doing. That is not what God would have us to do. He wants a blank sheet of paper with your name signed on the bottom, saying whatever it is, I'm going to do it. finding God's will we ask the question what would God have me to do and for me this is my testimony many times I have asked that question knowing full well what God would have me to do and I ran across a story that it didn't happen to me but it may as well have. there was a young man took the subway to work every day and the morning he got up and he said, Lord, help me to be a witness to someone today. I want to share your word with somebody. I want to be a witness for you today. And he went out the door with confidence. He got on the subway, on the train, and he was sitting there and people were getting on and off. And he's, he's looking for an opportunity. Suddenly a huge, tattooed, burly man gets on and sits beside him. And he just breaks into tears sobbing. This big man is sobbing. And kind of looked over at him and probably scooted over away from him a little bit. And this huge, burly man, tattoos and he, scary-looking guy, was just sobbing. And finally, he just threw his sobs. He said, I am not saved. I am bound for hell. Can someone show me the way? What can I do to get right with God? And this young man looked up and said, Lord, is this a sign We laugh at that, but we do that. Or, I have done things like that. We know full well what God's will is, but we we ask hoping for another answer. I think that young man would have liked nothing better than for God to say, no, you need... Just wait. I'll, I'll let you know. So, in surrendering our own will to God first, before you seek... An answer Before you ask him for your will, you make sure, make sure you are willing, ready and willing to accept whatever answer he has for you. Years ago, there was an old Scottish woman who went through the countryside selling buttons and string. That was her livelihood. And she would come to a crossroads and she would take a stick and she would throw it in the air And it would land, and wherever it was pointing, that was the road she should go down. So she would go down that road, come to the next crossroad, throw her stick in the air, and whichever way the stick was landing, that was the way she would go. She came to a crossroad where there was someone plowing in the field, and they watched this lady, and she threw the stick up, and it landed. She walked over, picked it up, threw it up again. Six times she did this, and finally she went down the road, and this this man plowing was puzzled. He went over to her and he said, why did you do that six times? I watched you do it six times. She said, well, it didn't land the way I wanted it to go the first five times. Be sure you are willing. When you ask God, be sure you are willing to accept whatever he would have for you. Thirdly, in God's will, you will not understand the whole picture. How many of you young people would like God to show you what his plan is for you for the next 30 years? Raise your hand if you would like that. You are wise. Sometimes we think it would be nice just to know where, where I will be in 30 years. What, it would take a lot of the stress out of the next 5 to 10 years, wouldn't it? The, the decisions we have to make. But do you really want to know the whole picture? Do you want to know about the loved one in your life that is going to die? Do you want to know about the financial trouble that you might face? Do you want to know about the rejection you might face? There are things in my life, looking back, I am very glad I did not know about the future. I'm glad I didn't know my dad would die when I was seven years old. I'm glad I didn't know I would need to move 800 miles away to a community where I knew nobody. I'm glad I didn't know my son would be born with the George Syndrome and have to have six open heart surgeries. I'm thankful. I'm very glad I didn't know that these things were going to come into my life. But I'm convinced that if these things had not happened to me, any one of them, There's no way I would be where I am today. I would have done everything in my power to avoid these things, and I probably could have done some things to avoid them. But where would I be today? I would not be here. I would not be in God's will, and I'm convinced that I'm in God's will. God, in his mercy, he shows us only what we need to know for the present. And I wonder if it's like this a little bit. I have three boys, three young boys, and if I tell them that something exciting is going to happen the next day, those of you who are parents know you need to be careful when you say that. If I tell them something exciting is going to happen the next day, they will not be able to think about anything else. That's all they think about they're so excited or they're they're dreading something or whatever it is and they're so caught up in what's going to happen they lose living in the moment they can't live right now and i wonder if it's a little bit that way with us and god if god would show us what's going to happen we would be in a constant state of dread or panic or excitement or whatever it is and we would it would rob us of living in the moment jim elliot has said, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every moment you believe to be the will of God. Wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every moment you believe to be the will of God. Things go best when we rely on God in faith and trust, knowing that he is in control. The key word there is trust. Knowing that he's in control, that he has our best in mind. Fourthly, follow God where you are right now. Don't expect God to show you the next chapter in your life if you aren't following him right now. I guess this is, again, telling on myself. This is the way I think. I tend to think. We become frustrated, and you will become frustrated, if you try to find God's will while following your own will. Living the way you want to live, the way you want to act, the things you want to do, we become frustrated, or I have become frustrated in the past, trying to do what I want to do in the name of God without the blessing of God. I don't know if you can relate to that or not, but I I have done that. I've tried to do what I want to do in the name of God without the blessing of God, and we become frustrated with that. The problem is, I like to have fun. And I like to make my money. I like to do what I want to do. But I also want God's blessing on what I do. So what we do is we manufacture a Jesus in our minds or a God in our minds that will not interfere with what I want to do. And he may even bless it. But that is not finding God's will. That's when we make, up, we make something up in our minds giving us a false peace about what we're doing because we seek to do our own will without the blessing of God and we get frustrated doing that. Many times I have looked for the will of God pretending not to know what it is hoping I can reason myself out of it because I do not want to do what he is calling me to do. So I ask pretending not to know. And I use this ignorance or not knowing as an excuse to ask and ask and ask and ask. And so suddenly I find someone who tells me what I'm looking for or a version of it and then I'm at peace. But this is not peace. This is a false peace because my will and God's will is no longer battling. My will has won out and God will come to a place where he'll say, that's what you want to do, go ahead. He did that with the children of Israel. When they wanted a king, they wanted a king, and they asked and asked for a king. And God had told them, "I'm, I'm your leader. I will take care of you. You are my people. And they said, we want a king like the nations around us. And so God finally said, you want a king? Here it is. And he told Samuel, he said, tell the people, this is what's going to happen. This is what a king will do. It didn't matter. They still wanted that, and their will won out. And that happens to us. That happens to me. I ask and ask and ask, and finally, God is just, He might just say, All right, that's the path you want. That's the path you're going to get. Make sure you are obeying God in every area before you expect Him to show you more. I have a few lists of things here in closing, that I want to leave with you. Questions to ask when discerning God's will or when seeking God's will. Number one, does the Bible command or forbid it? How does my conscience react to it? Is it for my highest spiritual good or would it lead me to a lower plane? How does it seem when I pray about it? Could I ask God's blessing on it? Is this the best use of my time or money? Will it harm my body or increase its usefulness? Has it proven helpful or harmful in the lives of others? Have I taken counsel from parents or leaders? And then quickly, six hindrances in making wise decisions. Number one on my list is impatience. Impatience is a hindrance in seeking the will of God. Psalm 37 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the, the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Four things in there. Trust in the Lord, delight in the Lord, commit thy way to the Lord and rest in the Lord. So to trust in the Lord, do you believe that God has your best in mind? As your child, does do you believe that God has your best in mind? Can you trust him that he has your best in mind? Delight in the Lord. Enjoy keeping company with him. Get to know the character of God through reading his word. And through prayer, I mentioned this the other night, that prayer isn't a monologue for me to God. That's not a way to learn the character of God. It takes time and patience to hear from God, to learn to know His character. Commit thy way to the Lord. Promise your future into His hands. Rest in the Lord. Be calm and patient. You can't learn to know God if you're in a hurry. Another hindrance is our emotions. A third hindrance is not taking advice. Number four is not accepting God's answer. Like the lady with the stick, throwing the stick up six times. Not accepting God's answer. Number five is demanding special revelation. You know you have no right to demand anything of God. We have the Holy Spirit... And we have godly leaders in our homes and in our churches that can guide us. We have no right. He has given us these things as tools. We have no right to demand a special revelation from Him. And indecision is another hindrance. If you ignore the promptings that God has already given you, it leads to indecision. God's will will not be simply go away because you ignore it. Like we hope a check engine light will. If it comes on, it won't go away if you ignore it. And spiritual problems in your life is a hindrance to making wise decisions. The scariest place in this life is outside the will of God. The scariest place in this life is outside the will of God.